Hello, everyone. Welcome to New Business. I'm your host, Jill Thomas. This show is about helping business owners create success faster and more easily than, than they thought possible. I firmly believe this is the age of the entrepreneur, and I think everybody either needs a side hustle or a, a main hustle, but they need to disconnect themselves from the idea that someone else is paying their rent, someone who's your boss who could fire you. It's so much better when you own your own business if you can fire yourself. This week, I am super excited to announce that my guest is JC, Jerry Carpenter, and he has been a cobbler since 1991. He lucked out in his profession and loves every second of it. Honestly, I've just got to say, JC, usually when I ask people for an introduction, I get like a whole resume and I have to say, hey guys, you know, nobody's going to listen if we go three pages but in your case, that's all I got. And I love it because it's so concise and it really tells people what they need to know, that you do something that you love, you feel like you lucked out, you love every second of it. I absolutely love that. So so welcome, Jerry. Thank you so much for coming. Thank you. Wow. What more is left to be said after that? You, <laughs> you, you nailed it in a nutshell. <laughs> well, I may have a couple other questions, but we'll have some fun with this. So one thing I want to talk about <laughs> first Um I honestly, I walked into your business. Your business is in Ashland, Oregon. I walked in and I thought, oh my God, here's a business. This is going to be like a travel agency. Like this is something that's that's gone or the, the last little remnants. But when I walked in, I was really surprised because I saw things that I didn't know car, uh, that uh, cobblers did. So why don't you tell us what a cobbler actually does? A uh, cobbler tears down and rebuilds just about anything um, from simple heels on ladies' dress shoes, pumps to a complete rebuild on a pair of fire boots that a dog chewed up. Um, we also do straps for Louis Vuitton purses and uh, have a tailor on staff. So we can do just about anything, just about anything. See, that was what I'd never, I, I was surprised to see. So I walk in, I see all these Louis Vuitton bags and I thought about how in a tough economic time, because we had a really nasty downturn in 2007 and I firmly believe that we're going to have a really nasty downturn here any minute. I never thought about your business as being something that would thrive, but you're doing things like repairing expensive handbags, which is an economic downturn type of profession. Would you agree with that? I would. And not only expensive handbags, but we fix shoes from Walmart. People, people bring in shoes from Walmart that need to be stitched or repaired. Um, if they can keep them going, keep them going. I love that. Cause you know, every once in a while you get an, it is so hard to find a good pair of hiking boots. I, I firmly believe oh, sure. that you will only ever own one really good pair of hiking boots at a time. And I can totally get the idea of whether they came to Walmart, Target, or anywhere pay less. If you found one you loved, if there was an ability to, to repair it, that would just be amazing. And that's what you do. That's what we do. There was another thing you did. I want yeah. you to talk about a little bit where you were talking about how you uh, help people, you know, the putting lifts in shoes. Tell me about that. We do orthopedic lifts. Um, if a customer has one leg that's shorter than another and they have, you know, a, a just they, they need one shoe that needs to be built up, say five eighths of an inch or three eighths of an inch, or uh, the last one I just did was one and seven eighths. Uh, we have to split the sole, get the measurements, put the build up on, taper it properly, roll the toe, put the new sole back over the top and get it out the door. And it makes a world of difference in many people's lives. You can do a, a, as minimal as a one-eighth inch lift for somebody, and it'll make a complete difference on how their walk is and how their hips feel and how their back feels. And it just makes me feel good that when I get some, done some, with something like that, it actually makes a difference in a person's life. I love it. 
I love it. It's amazing to me too, because what you're describing sounds like a trip to the chiropractor, only it probably saves a hundred trips to the chiropractor. Am I correct? Yeah. Well, getting the, getting the body in alignment is the key thing. And if one leg is you know shorter than the other, and you're walking around all the time like that, it will throw your entire body off, which will make you have to go to the doctor or chiropractor more often. Yeah. I've had a lot of experience with that one personally. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, so this is a profession I don't know much about, so forgive my ignorance, but I would love if you could tell people, how do you get into this profession? What kind of training is involved? How does that work? Well, for me, I met a girl. Um, <laughs> I just love met it. a girl. <laughs> and, uh, and her dad happened to be a cobbler. And uh, I was actually traveling around the country doing climbing microwave towers, changing the bulbs and doing the maintenance work on the larger mi microwave towers. And uh, I had been doing that for a couple of years when I met this girl. And we saw each other for a little while, you know, when I'd be in town. And she got tired of that after about six months. And she put me to work for her dad. And, and it, you know, it took a number of years to learn the profession. Uh, and, it, and it's pretty intense. There's, there's a lot of things that you have to really focus on. Uh, but I tell you, I've never worked a day in my life since I've taken this job. I absolutely have loved every single second of it. It's, it's fantastic. I love tearing things apart and rebuilding them. It's so cool because I, I well, that's work. That's how I, I got was, into it. Now, I tell people I work if, in the. If, I mean, go ahead. Sorry. Oh no, it's okay. I do, I tell people I work in the habits and human nature business. So all day long, I hear people talking to me about how much they hate their jobs. So to hear somebody say that they found something they love, that just makes me so excited. So tell me more about that. Oh, it's incredible. And I'm and I'm hoping to help pass that on. I've I've got an intern that comes in a few days a week, and he really seems to enjoy doing this work. And uh, he wants to learn and uh, he, he, it takes dedication and time and, and he's really excited about it, which is really cool because to find somebody else that's as excited as I am about this is, is rare. And then uh, I have a, my apprentice, uh, Ryan, he's also a tailor by trade, a very talented tailor by, by trade. Um, he's learning the cobbler profession too, and he's as excited. So I've, I've been very blessed uh, out here and it's, it's rare that you find uh, one, much less two people that are willing to uh, put in the time and do and, and the effort. Wow. So is this something that there is a school for or do you do you basically just have to intern? There is a school in Germany, um, but you have to you have to know the German language to go to that school. And it's quite expensive. And then <clears throat> there are uh, smaller schools uh, around the United States. I'm not quite sure exactly where all of them are. I know there's one in Atlanta I believe they charge around twelve thousand uh, dollars for their two-year course um, in in leather work and, and cobblery work. Um, I you know can't quote me exact on that, but it's pretty close to that, I believe. And so you know, if there's if there's a an opportunity for somebody to go, it, it would be one of those little smaller schools that are local. Price-wise, that doesn't sound too bad. I mean, have you, like you know, compared to like nursing the school or something, I got you know twelve thousand oh. dollars for two years sounds like nothing. But, um, but then the other the way you did it even sounds better because you got to see well. Because I know from from hypnotherapy school, there's, you know, there's what you're told is how it works, and then when you actually start doing it, there's what actually works. Did you feel like that has been your experience with people you've worked with who went to formal training? Um, you know. I guess in, in some senses, I, I have some friends that have gone to school, the schools and stuff, and they, 
they know the math, you know, and they know they know the math end of it, but they don't have the hands-on experience. So there is a little bit of difference between that. I've never had any formal, you know, training with all the math and all that stuff that people go to school for, but I can do the work. You know, I mean, I can I can tear it apart and rebuild it like nobody else. Uh, so I don't I don't I prefer the hands-on myself than the school training. I suppose. I think, I think it's a bit, but I think that's with every profession. So that's true. I, I would totally agree. I, I always kind of feel like a combination of, of the two is really helpful, but it sounds like in your case, you had sort of almost an intuitive feel for the mechanics of the shoe. Would you agree? Well, I would. Uh, and that's it, crazy that you say that because after I became a cobbler and got into it, I found out that my family goes back five generations into Scotland for cobblery work. Uh, and I had no idea until I got into the professional, you know, and so maybe it does come natural to me genetically. <laughs> well, there, you know, there you go. You just, you channeled your great, your dead great grandfather and uh, they helped you with the, the leather work. I love that. Sure, sure. That's really awesome. So I, one of the things I, I experienced when I went into your shop and I'm so glad I got to see that is, is how much of a counselor you kind of are. Tell me how much of this business really is making friends with people listening to what they need and sort of the intuitive connection you have with your customers. Tell us about that. It's the entire business. Every time somebody comes in the door, they need uh, laces. They don't know what length of laces they need. So I have to pull their laces out and measure their laces and get them laces. Or if they need uh, insoles in their shoes, or if they need uh, cleaners for their shoes, uh, you know, the people are always asking for advice on what they should use and what products to do that they should have, or even what kind of quality brand products to uh, wear on their feet, what shoes to wear. Um, now, there's so many these days, it's hard to tell them that because there's so many different styles from so many different brands. Uh, but it's pretty cool that people come in and they, they look to you for the knowledge to do these things. And, uh, so it makes you feel important. You know, I love what you just said. Can you tell me, because I have to admit to being nosy and curious, what brands do you like for shoes? How do you feel about like New Balance? I'm talking about the ones I, of course, buy. I like New Balance. Selfish. I like Merrill's. Ooh, I like New Balance. I like Merrill's. I like uh, Tevas. I, I like um, uh, Ufos for sandals. Ufos are incredible. They're the most they're like little steroid mushroom marshmallows. They're really cool, man. They fit on your feet and just are really great. Uh, but for a work boot, Red Wings, uh, Timberlands, Whites, those types, you know, heavy duty stuff, especially out here in the Pacific Midwest. You know, it's this, these guys get out here in these woods and they're working hard and they need a good hardy boot. And those can be repaired, sounds like, because, I mean, obviously. They can. I do a lot of them. They they actually destroy my back because they're so well built. And I have, in tearing them apart and rebuild them, it takes a lot out of me. And uh, so they're, you know, you can always tell how well built something is by how difficult it is to take apart. I love that. That is very cool. I One of the things, the other things I like about your business is you do quite a bit of charity work. So tell me about the charity, the unusual charity work that you do within your business. Honestly, I really don't do much of it. It's the community itself that has that has really done this. Um, we have a shoebox out front. Uh, it's for homeless and those in need. Uh, it's we started it up right after the Almina fires, the Almina fires, and it was to help people out that were you know struggling through the fires and stuff. 
And we started with just a couple of pair of shoes we put outside and we got a box out there and it's called spare pair, leave a pair, need a pair, take a pair. And I haven't kept exact numbers, but we're getting pretty close to about 8,000 pair that we have recycled out of that box into the community. And it's been fantastic. Our, our entire neighborhood, all of Jackson County, it feels like has, has turned out and has showed up and put shoes out here. And it's on a daily basis, there's 50 pair of shoes lined up out front for people to, to pick through and get what they need. And it's, it's just really incredible. I love that. Uh, for those of you who don't know, the Alameda fire uh, in Jackson County, Oregon, burned down an entire city. Uh, some of you have seen it on the news. You may have remembered seeing a, a, basically an entire mobile home park full of people, many of which did not have insurance. Uh, the, it was gone. I mean, it's just gone. The whole town was gone. It's, yeah. it was, I've never seen anything like it gone. driving through it. It was pretty traumatic yeah, for the entire here. Go ahead. I moved here two days after that fire. Oof. <laughs> I moved here and bought this shop two days after that fire. Bet it was hard to get a rental right in that time period. It was that was uh that was, was hard to watch on TV. Yeah, it still is. There's the, the problem is still pretty prevalent out here finding uh, affordable housing for people. Um, you know, there's there's a lot of homeless in this community, but there's still a lot of people that were are homeless because of those fires, mm-hmm. and uh, they're trying, but uh, it's it's difficult in this in this community. You know, with uh, the limited housing that's here. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, I, you know, I lived in a place where we had a lot of fires too and lost a lot of houses, but nothing in comparison to the percentage of homes that, that were, were burned up. And the ones that were burned up were a lot of them were lower income type residences. So that really devastated a community that didn't have as much resources in the, in the first place. Well, let's move on from that. And one thing I wanted to ask you though, is how has your charitable work been received by the community? It's been, well, I mean, 8,000 pair of shoes in three years. That's, that's a pretty good disclaimer. <laughs> it says, it. I've only had two people that have negatively reacted to it. And I think they're the same people that complain about the deer in Ashland. So I'm not real worried about them. Um, we try to, we try to uh, uh, meet that uh, attitude with kindness and love and spread it back. And hopefully eventually they'll see that. Love it. I just, I, re- I ask about how things have been received because I'm always surprised when organizations tell me about charitable work that they do and then to find that there's, there's always naysayers within the community are like, you know, don't do that. Don't, don't help those people. They don't deserve it. Or they're just leeches. Yeah. And I, no, we've only had two. That's, only you know had two. that's fine. Uh, also Ashland, for those of you who don't know, Ashland, Oregon has like a free range deer population that is quite large considering the population of the city is only 20,000. And also there's a lot of Turkey. So if you ever come to this area, you really do need to watch, watch when you're driving. There's a lot of deer. Uh, so tell me about, mm-hmm. you, you did talk briefly about you had a job before this business. What did you learn from this job that helps you from the job you had that helped you when you were creating your own business? Now, could you say that again? Oh, sorry. I, I've discovered over the years that a lot of people who have a job before they have a business bring a lot of the mm-hmm. things that they've learned, skills, but also getting along with people, those kinds of things into when they bring a, put a business together. In your case, if, if that's not true, if there wasn't anything you learned, you can share that. But just wanted to know if there was anything you learned from your, you know, just over broke, as T. Harvecker says, you're just over broke before you started your own business. Anything you can share that you brought with you? Um, you know, I think it's just pretty standard life stuff. Just treat people like you want to be treated. Um, 
treat people good and they'll treat you good back. And it, it goes great for business. When you treat people like they're important, which they are, they will continue to give you their business because they want to be treated that way. Um, so just treat people good. That's, it's pretty simple. I'm, I've got an eighth grade education. I'm not a very intelligent person, but I work hard and I treat people good. And because of that, I've been fairly successful with my life. Interesting. Doesn't so take much more. I love this because so often I hear from people this this idea that they need to go to college and put themselves in, in stupid amounts of debt in order to to work at Starbucks, right? <laughs> Basically. Yeah, seventy thousand dollar art degree in liberal arts to be a caribou. Yeah, <laughs> to be a barista at caribou. Yeah, yeah. I love that. But in your but, case, you know, you, everybody's got to do what they got to do. I love that you took that sort of um, I don't know natural inclination what tell me tell me tell me what you think about yourself made it possible for you to own a business with only an eighth grade education hard work and determination didn't want to be poor my dad my dad dropped me off in florida when i was 13 years old and left me there and i didn't want to be homeless so for two years i worked hard i hitchhiked back up to st louis i lived underneath the bleachers of a ball field for nine months until i got another little spot to stay at until i got enough money to get my first apartment and uh, just never looked back. If you want to do something in your life, you're going to do something in your life. Wow. So you've been homeless. I have. I was homeless from 13 to 15. Yes, ma'am. Wow. So from homeless to a successful entrepreneur, well-respected. Homeless at 13 to Africa at 53. Yeah. I love it. That's a great story. Jerry, that's a great story. Yeah. Uh, what do you think is the difference between mindset between owning a business and and having a job? Because I know a lot of people find that transition is really difficult. Did you find that transition difficult? Um, the difference is a, a job is forty hours a week. Owning a business is a lifetime. I'm I'm here twenty four seven. I'm on call twenty four seven. I don't get much time off. You know, you're constantly in, you know, in movement, you don't have time to do a whole lot of other things. So that is a downside. Now there is a plus side to that. I can also take a month off if I want to and go to Africa and backpack. I can also take a month off occasionally and ride cross country on my motorcycle. Now, do I get to do that a lot? No, but it's, it's, it's pretty nice versus being on the clock for somebody else, making a set wage, not knowing, you know, if you're going to move up in the company, there's, you know, I, I prefer being the owner, but I don't like being the boss, if that makes any sense. It does. Yeah. No, I do. I understand. I, I used to joke that I, um, my mindset makes me unemployable. <laughs> my attitude, my attitude renders me unemployable, um, which is, you know, I, I totally agree with this idea of working all the time. But cu- I'm curious, you said you're on call. What would you be on call for? Tell me about that. Well, I mean, after, after hours, I've had people call me at eight o'clock at night, um, call the shop and say, and the shop number is my cell phone. So uh, they'll call me eight o'clock at night and say, hey, I have an emergency repair. Are you in town? And I'll say, yeah, if I am, and I'll meet them at the shop and I'll take care of the repair for them. You know, there's just certain situations where people need help like that. And it's happened a few times. 
What kind of repairs would be an emergency repair? I'm curious. Um, well, Paul and Nancy Pelosi were having dinner at Lark's one afternoon and his heel fell off and they came in and I had to do that for them while they waited. Um, there's been, you know, a lot of situations where uh, like a strap on a bag will come undone and it just needs to be restitched back down. Um, but it's impossible to carry the bag without the strap. So it has to be fixed. So, you know, it's usually nothing really super bad, but important enough that the customer needs it taken care of. And they're usually pretty appreciative of you taking the time to do that for them. I appreciate I, I mean, I can't imagine most people would, would bother with that, but it sounds like one of the thing I'm hearing from you, JC, is that there's a level of respect that you have for your customer that I don't really hear with most people who own businesses. Would you say that's oh, true? Yeah, no. That's sad. If if they if people don't have respect for their customers, and I mean the utmost respect for their customers, I don't think they're doing their customers justice. And they're not doing themselves justice and they're not doing them their employees justice because it's all about the customers. If it wasn't for the customers, we wouldn't be here. There's just there's just no other way around it. And my shelves are full. My done shelves are full. My to-do shelves are full. My in-progress shelves are full. People love us because we treat them good. Wow. If you could go back in time, what would you tell <laughs> yourself as you started this business? What would you tell yourself, like knowing now what you didn't know then, what would you do differently when you first started your business to create this success even faster? Get it in writing with my ex-father-in-law. <laughs> I love that. Legal. Isn't it, doesn't it always <laughs> that, come down to legal? That man, that man ripped me off. No matter how much you think you trust somebody, get it in writing. Amen. <laughs> yes. Amen. I'm going to have a lawyer on who's going to talk about that because that is a huge mistake. Big business owners make. I, everybody makes that mistake. But I would love to mm -hmm. save anybody listening from that particular pain make friends with a lawyer don't be afraid to pay to have some contracts gone through just just do it trust me a little bit of money now will save you a lot of money later so very good thank a $3, you three so thousand dollar contract now will save you a hundred thousand dollars later Wait, easily that's quite a return on investment <laughs> i love that yeah <laughs> wow yeah that is very very good advice uh mm -hmm. you asked you asked for one thing that i would change and that's it that's the only thing. Well, that's why I asked that question because people don't know what they don't know. And I love that whole mm -hmm. thing that, you know, what, it's not what you know that gets you. It's what you don't. What you, oh, I'm going to get it wrong. Yeah. Anyway, you guys, you guys have already heard this. Quote. I know what you understand. Everybody knows what I, I know about. what you're saying. And, and, and it's totally, it, it's not even the person that you don't know. It's, it's somebody that you trust that can do it to you. And that's what hurts the most. That's why you always have to get it in writing. Yeah. Yeah, especially business uh, business partners too. You know, being careful mm -hmm. about having the arrangements set into place. Somebody has to have fifty one forty nine, fifty one percent versus forty nine. So that there's a clear differentiation between who's who gets the business when it ends or when the relationship sort of ends. Um, anyway, I'm not a lawyer, so but talk to a lawyer. Bottom line, talk to a lawyer. Talk to a lawyer for sure. Yeah, make but, sure. So. What would you tell somebody, we talked a little bit about this in the beginning, but I want to go back to this. What would you tell somebody who is interested in getting into this profession? What do they need to know that they're not going to find in any textbook? What do they need to know? It's a lot of hard work. I mean, it, uh, it, it's, there's a lot to it. I, I don't know that there's, 
that there's anything in, a, in the textbook that's going to be different? You know, I don't know because I don't read the textbooks. <laughs> so that's a good question. You got me stymied there. I'm trying to think of an answer, but I've never read any of the textbooks. So I don't know what the difference would be, tech, you know, really, um, other than I just, I'm a firm believer in hands-on experience. Tech, learning from a book is fine, but learning by hands-on experience is the best way to do it. And if there's somebody out there that's wanting to get into this profession, go find your local cobbler and talk to them and tell them that this is something that you'd like to do. Maybe they'll be interested in, in bringing you on. Maybe they won't. You know, it, uh, most of the time they will be because most cobblers that I know are at least one month out on repairs right now. And the guy in Bend, Oregon is eight months out on repairs right now. Wow. Bend's a nice place. If somebody so wants to move a, to Bend, there's Oregon. Definitely, <laughs> there's definitely a call for it here. I love it. So how do you find your most ideal client? I mean, how do, how do you get the word out? How do, you, how do they find you? In this profession, word yeah. of mouth. Really? Word of mouth is everything in this profession. People, you, if you make somebody happy, they're going to tell five people. If you make somebody mad, they're going to tell a hundred people. That is so, so true. Word of mouth. Just, <laughs> I hate to say that's so true. Every, it, every time, every time. And, and so it's just, we have Yelp and we have Google and we have Facebook and, you know, and we're pretty much five stars across the board on them. I think 4.5 on one of them because I didn't answer my phone when I was in Africa last year. <laughs> I was on vacation and a lady gave me a one-star review because I wouldn't answer my phone. Um, but uh, other than that, you know, it's, it's just, yeah, word of mouth. And we do a little bit of Facebook advertising, but it's word of mouth. I mean, it's huge. It's, it's been incredible. And that just takes time. I mean, there's no, there's no overnight on that. There's no purchasing and no. advertising package for that. Word of mouth. That's awesome. Word of mouth. Do good quality work, treat people good, and people talk good about you. What about buying an existing cobblery business? If there's someone like that out there, is that even an yeah, option? Yeah, there's a couple. There's a couple. Yeah, there's a couple of groups. This one was an existing cobblery business when I purchased it. It had been it had been here for 105 years. It's the oldest uh, existing business in Ashland now. It's going on 109 years old. And there are a few um, online that are for sale. You can uh, join groups like uh, SRI. It's called Shoe Repair International. It's on Facebook. And a couple of other groups. Uh, if you just keyword, you know, uh, cobblery shops for sale, there'll be probably two dozen of them in the United States that'll come up for sale at any given time. Um, so if there's, there's one you're wanting to get into, that's, that's the way to do it. But honestly, I don't recommend the layman person that has never done this to buy a shoe repair business without having any idea what they're doing. It would not end well. Oh, that's very good advice for any profession. Mm -hmm. Oh my God. I yeah. think of like how many clients I've had over the years who say, Oh, I want to start a coffee shop because they go into a coffee shop and they love it. And then when I talk to coffee shop owners, they're like, this, don't do it. Just, just, you know, <laughs> tell them they need to work here for a few weeks first. <laughs> so they know what it's like. <laughs> I love it. So what have you tried? Is there any business things? Cause I'm not, you know, part of what I want to do on the show is help save people time and money. Is there anything that you did advertising wise or otherwise that was, you know, cost money and it didn't produce any results. It wasn't good. Anything that you can tell someone they can they just don't do that. Just don't bother. You know, I don't think so. I, I think any type of advertising is good. Um, you know, billboards, um, social media advertising is probably your, your number one thing to do nowadays because everybody is constantly on their phones and their tablets constantly. 
So social media is probably more important. And, and my business could probably 10 times the size it is if I had a more of a social media presence, but I don't want that because I couldn't keep up and I'm just not a big social media guy. Um, but if people want to really promote a business, their social media would probably be the best way to do it. The cheapest way as well. You get more bang for your buck. You can on Facebook marketplace, they have, uh, you can boost your posts. You can, you can centralize your posts. You can target your posts for age groups. You know, there's, there's a lot of different things that you can do on there to really, to really focus your money where you want it to go. So that'd probably be the best thing to do. Um, social media and radio. Radio is pretty good too. Really? Radio for caller? Interesting. I never would have thought of that. Tell me about that. Do you have? Like um, well, I haven't here yet. No, but back in Wisconsin, we ran several radio spots on Clear Channel in the Twin Cities, and it got quite a bit of response for us. Huh. We would get, uh, we would notice an uptake in our calls um, by almost 30% whenever the ads would run on the radio. Uh, so, it's, you know, it's, it's a, it was a pretty good investment for us. It helped build the business. Interesting. I never would have thought of that. Thank you for sharing this because I never would have thought of that as being an effective uh, marketing tool, but the type of business that you're running is different than perhaps the kind I'm running or some of the other solopreneurs that are on the show. So I can, interesting to hear that that was effective for what you're doing. That's interesting. That'll save money over the, what, what about, uh, oh, tell me about this one. I get, I get coupons. Like, do you, how do you feel about running coupon ads? Does that, does that help? I've never run a coupon, never done coupons. Uh, don't really have a urge for it. I don't think it's in my business. I don't think it would do a whole lot. Um, I do, you know, run a sale once a year on my darn tough socks, you know, around Christmas time, I run buy four, get the fifth pair free. Uh, but other than that, I don't do any sales or coupons or anything like that. No, I've never, never done any of that. Love it. So what's the next big goal for your business? Or do you have one? Cause it sounds like you've got so much business that you've got as much as you can handle, right? Yeah, I'm I'm pretty pretty busy right now. I'm working seven days a week. Uh, next big goal is to get my apprentice trained up to a full uh, to a full cobbler, and then my uh, intern moved up to a to an apprentice. Those are my next two big goals, um, and just continue to grow the business. You know, because the more that they know, the more they can do, and the more we can grow the business. Let me ask: Does an intern get paid? I mean, you don't have to tell me about your particular intern, situation. In, in, an intern does not get paid. An intern okay. works for free. They come in. That's part of their learning process. Uh, okay. The previous owner actually would build, would charge the interns to work here. Fine. He had a couple of guys that came in and worked for him, and he actually charged them. I don't do that, but you know, they, they Nathan comes in and he works, and you know, he he loves learning, and it's he it's a good deal for him. So I get that. Some people it won't for. Some people it does. I imagine too, though, if you're, if your uh, interns aren't getting paid, then, and you have a cobblery business, if you're interested in working at one of those businesses, you want to make sure that instead of, you know, being sent out to go get coffee on those kinds of errands, you want to make sure they're actually teaching you something for that, not getting paid status. Yeah, yeah no, we don't, we don't send Nathan out for coffee and stuff. He's learning shoe repair. That's, that's the part of the process where I'm, we're not, we're not one of those where, you know, I don't drink coffee, first of all. Uh, but we're not going to take advantage of somebody. We, we want somebody to learn this profession as quickly as possible so that we can grow and continue to support the community. Love it, love it, love it. 
I mean, I could talk with you all day because you're a really interesting guy and I, I love your energy and I love your general respect for hum humans and kindness towards those in the community that really are less advantaged. Um, but we're going to wrap it up here soon, but I just want to see if there's any final bits of advice that you have for somebody considering this type of business. What would you want them to know about it? <sighs> that they need to know about it. I mean, they need to do it before they try to buy it. They need to actually try to learn how to do the repairs before they do it, unless they have somebody lined up that knows already how to do it and they're going to run the company for them. If you don't know what you're doing with this business, you will fail. You just will. You, there's, just, you, it, there's a lot to it. It's tearing a pair of shoes apart and rebuilding them is not a simple chore. And not just anybody can do it. You have to be trained to, to do it. Do you see people getting into the profession who think that just, you know, make some quick money? Do you see people doing that who aren't properly trained? I'd just be curious. I have seen it. When I first started in this profession, there was a gentleman that bought the company that I went to work for. And he knew nothing about shoe repair. And he came in and within a year and a half, he ran it into the ground because he had no idea what he was doing. Wow. And he wouldn't let the people that worked for him do the job properly because he thought he knew better. So I, I, my advice, is to know what you're talking about or hire the proper people that do know and let them do their jobs. Wow. That's very sensible advice. I love that. So Jerry, if somebody wants to get in touch with you, or if they want to find your business, how can they get in touch with you? I'm going to put links to the SRI uh, company you mentioned in the, in the write-up on this, but how can they get in touch with you? Uh, me, they can call the shop number. It's 541-482-4656. My email is my3sonsmbj at yahoo.com. And they can just stop into the shop, 27 South 2nd Street, Ashland, Oregon. Does the shop have a website? I'm here Tuesday through Friday, 9 to 5, and Saturdays, 10 to 4. Uh, does the shop have a website? I can't remember. Uh, no, we don't have a website, just, just my email. I, I have a Facebook site as well. Um, people can look that up. I don't even know the link to it. To be honest with you. That's okay. I'm, I'm, I'm terrible with social media. In case, uh, in case that phone number flew by too fast, I will put it in the write-up for this. Uh, it, you know, if you click down, you'll find it. And as well as the, the link for the, uh, shoe repair internationally, in case you're interested in buying one and the Facebook, which I will find for you, Jerry. But thank you so much for being on the show. It's amazing to talk to you. And I love to hear about a successful business owner who actually loves what they do and the respect for the community is just something so beautiful. So thank you so much for giving us your time. We really appreciate your participation. And I'm excited for all of you listening because this is another idea that you can, can have about a business you can create. Or if you already have a business, maybe Jerry gave you some ideas about how to grow your business. Basically what I kept hearing was respect your customer, respect the customer anything that you can do to make this work out faster. Again, I really believe this is the age of the entrepreneur. I want to see you guys all succeed. And I want to see you doing this without having to worry about somebody being able to lay you off. So goodbye to everybody. Thanks so much, Jerry. And I look forward to seeing you guys in the next episode. Awesome. Thanks for having me as your guest. Listening to me ramble. Come see the turtles. <laughs>